Hello and welcome to C3 City Light Podcast. You'll find us here in Raleigh until all are awakened to the light and love of Jesus. We hope that you find this message encouraging. For more information, check us out at c3citylight.com or on social media at C3 City Light. This is our second part that we've been doing, the second part of this message we've been looking at on Advent. You know, Advent's the coming of Jesus, right? It's the first coming of Jesus. And we see that there'd been so many prophecies and there'd been so many things going on. And then there was a lull. There's like 400 years of silence in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we see that heaven is getting humanity's attention. They're getting humanity's attention. We see last week what we studied was how Gabriel, the angel, went into the temple, went in, the priest, Zechariah, was there doing his thing, doing his incense, burning before the Lord, glorifying him. It was like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And in that, we see that Gabriel got his attention and told him, hey, the Messiah is coming. And your son, I know you're old and your wife, so and y'all haven't had a kid. Your son's going to be John the Baptist. He's going to be John. It means grace. Grace of God's on him. And he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Heaven's trying to get humanity's attention. And so this week, we're going to continue in that same idea Our message is Jesus. Everything that heaven was saying to earth, everything they were revealing was all pointing back to one person. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He's our Messiah. He's our Savior. This is what's happening. So our message is Jesus. That's the title of this. Our message is Jesus. But today what we're focusing in on, a part to play. Every single one of us have a part to play. And so as you're taking notes and as you're listening, that's a part to play. We have a part to play. Have you ever had, you know, one of your vehicles that where it just wasn't in alignment? Like maybe you got new tires or you had, they just hadn't been aligned regularly. It's the devil. It's terrible, right? Like it takes so much force and so much strength that wants to pull to the right or pull to the left. And it just takes so much. It's just a waste of energy, right? Just to keep this thing going straight. You know, if you're not careful, it'll cause the tires to wear unevenly. And they can prematurely wear out, you know, and you're like, and deal with that. But if it's really bad, you'll fear the whole steering will just kind of shake. And you're just like, what? And then we're, I'm out of alignment. I found that in our life, when we're out of alignment, it causes us just, it wa- it's such a waste of energy. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be going, but I'm just out of alignment. So I'm pulling to the right or I'm pulling to the left. And God's like, no, 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 no. I've already told you, like, get in alignment. This is where we're going. We see today an invitation from heaven to a young teenage girl named Mary. Here's an invitation of where we're going and what things are going. And she had a part to play. And we see from her life how she lined up her life with what heaven was trying to do just by simply saying yes and being a part of it. And I'm believing that through this message, God's going to check us in some areas to help us make sure we're in alignment with what he wants to do in our life. So we're not wasting energy or effort Going to the right, going to the left. No, 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 no. We're in alignment, man. It's a smooth ride. It's not shaking our hands as we're holding the steering wheel. Awesome. So if you've got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 1. Such a common scripture for Christmas time. I think they would revoke my pastor's license if I didn't preach like this narrative, right? Because this is such a part of the Christmas message. But Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and we're going to carry it all the way to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying 
and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. God, help us today to be like Mary. Help us today, God, to receive the grace that you've put on our life, that we are favored, highly favored before you. Help us receive all that you've done and instruct us, guide us, change us, mold us, shape us, God, to become aligned with what you have for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a crazy story. You know, we there's a good chance that a lot of us have heard this so many times that we've kind of come like it's normal, right? Oh, yeah, she was born of a virgin, and, and yeah, and then the angel came and said this, and we know the story. But I just want us to make a couple observations and kind of put ourselves into this, this narrative. Could you imagine, I mean, really, could you imagine being like 16, 17 years old? have never known a man. I think that's the way one version says, but how can this be? For I've never known of man. All right? like never, That's an area of her life that she's not familiar with. She's a virgin. And, and then having to go to her parents, hey, mom, dad, guess what? Pregnant. Pregnant right here. Like, whoo. If I'm the dad and Charlotte comes home, I'm like, no, nah, there was only one virgin birth. You better stop it. Get out of here. I know what's up. But I can just imagine like her parents and her friends and her fiance. What ain't mine? What's going on? Right? Like, could you, this little girl, you would think this young lady, teenagers, with all this going on, it's amazing. It's amazing to see an angel, to hear what Gabriel's saying. And at the end of it, her simple response is, hey, I'm a servant of God. Let it be to me according to your word. It's just, it's fascinating. It's such a yes, a yes, sir, I'm in. Kelp me all in to this amazing invitation. But that's what Christmas is about. It's this invitation for hope. It's this invitation to allow God to step into our reality and totally change it. It's an invitation. And he didn't just do it for Mary. He did it for all of humanity. The solution, the answer to all of our struggles is found through Christ. So I got three observations, simple observations about the life of Mary and, this, and what we see here. We all have a part to play. The first observation I see, there's a choice to be made. There's a choice to be made. We live in a culture and in a time where we really feel unique and special. I'm not going to hurt anyone's feelings. It's okay. 
I got my kid gloves on. It's okay. But you know, like, we all kind of feel really unique and special. And we are. Like, we are. There's a tension. It's not one way or the other. We are unique and special, fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God. There's things about you and me that it's unique and special to us. But I think a lot of times when we try to approach God and the kingdom of God, it's like, well, I'm here. Let me do my thing. You ever been to work and you've got one of those employees that's like, man, if I left this place within five minutes, they'd shut the doors down. It'd fall apart. Maybe you're that employee. Don't raise your hand. But you know, it's like, man, if I left this place, Bank of America would have to shut down, Godiel. Like, no. I know you think that I'm flat. But you know, it's just like, because we feel like our role is so, like, so important. And it is important. But it's not about us being important. It's about that role. And if we walked out or found, you know, move on to the next thing, someone else can step in and do that role. And I think sometimes we kind of just get it twisted. We're like, no, I'm so special. I'm so unique. Like, it doesn't rise and fall on us. I love the way, that way, the way Aristotle says this. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, kind of says the same thing. Hey, for we are one body with many parts. So it's not good for the hand to say, I want to be the eye. Like, they're all important. Like, it's all together. The sum is greater than the parts. We all have a role to play. But it's not about us. It's about just what God's trying to do through the body of Christ, being the hands and feet to demonstrate to the world that he came and that he loves them. And so what I found is that there's a choice to be made. Any single one of us can choose to do what we want to do. That's probably the greatest advice I ever got about ministry from one of my, our senior pastor in Dallas. Stuart, let me just help you figure out ministry real quick. I said, like, all right, Pastor Joe, what is it? People do what they want to do. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, people do what they want to do. I was real like, it was one of the first like, just major disappointments. I'd given so much time and so much investment trying to help this, this young football player out, trying to help him. And like out of nowhere, it was just like, gone and deep off the deep end and just terrible decisions and just like consequences catching up and it was just like it was it was devastating because I had spent a lot of time he'd been over to the house dinner and all this stuff we'd really April and I'd really given our life to help this guy out and it just stung and it's like bro I'm telling you man that is not God's best for your life like oh man like you're just running as fast as you can toward heartbreak and like toward consequence and toward like come on man it's better over here trust God in his ways and I remember Pastor Joe was just like that's ministry. People do what they want to do. You can do all you want to try to help lead someone to green pastures, but people have a choice. They get to do what they want to do. And it was kind of liberating. You know, it's kind of like, man, I don't want to see that happen, but, you know, we all have some skin in the game. We have a will and we have a choice and we get to make decisions and, and live with those decisions, good and bad, you know. And so I see here that there was a role to be filled. You know, long before the Messiah needed a manger, he needed a womb. And he needed a home. Jesus is leaving heaven, leaving the throne, leaving one home, and he needed an earthly home. And how does it work in humanity? Starts with a seed. Needs a home. Needs an incubator. Needs an oven. Right? Like Needs protection. Needs that. Needs that safe, warm place. Needs that where everything's just right. I mean, he needed a womb. Then the manger would come. But that's the importance of a role. There was a role here to be filled. There was a womb that needed. The Messiah needed a womb. So what would have happened to Mary? She had a choice. She could have just been like, hey, Gabriel, thanks for coming to Nazareth. That's wonderful. So nice to meet you. Kick rocks. Keep going. Keep going. I think there's probably another virgin over there. Two, two doors down. Go ahead. 
They'll take care of you. But she just heard this and was just like, who am I that the Lord would come meet me where I'm at in Nazareth? You heard it in Jesus' ministries. Fast forward 30 years later, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Like this was a podunk, middle of nowhere, forgotten about place. That's where Gabriel goes. That's where the Lord sent him. Looking for Mary, looking for Mary. There. But what would have happened if he was, she was just like, I'm good. Hey, thanks for, thanks for this wonderful invitation to be the mother, to be the womb that provides a place for the Messiah of the world to come. That's great. Keep going. She had a choice to play. She did. You know, we don't want to ever, like, overemphasize Mary. I mean, she's awesome, but all she's awesome for is for saying yes. You know, she said yes. Her faith is amazing. She said yes. You know, you got some churches that really emphasize Mary's role in this and call her the mother of God and call her, like, the redeemer of humanity. Pump the brakes, right? Like, she said yes, but she was a human like you and I. She had enough faith, though, to say, yes, you can use me in that way. I'll help bring the Messiah into the world. I got an available womb. I'm a virgin. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm here. And I love that. But what, we've, what I found in our lives is that, one, we need to say yes to stay in alignment, right? If we want to stay in alignment, what heaven wants to do in our life and what God wants to do, we got to say yes. There's a choice to be made. We want to say yes. But then we've also got to understand that if we say no, someone else will say yes. Like the will of God doesn't get, oh, what are we going to do? We're in heaven. Gabriel, get over here. They said no. My plan's messed up all throughout humanity. No. God sits outside of time. He sits, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows. Nothing catches the fall. It's not about his will taking place. It's about us getting to participate. We want to be a part of what he's going to do. He wins. This thing's already worked itself out, but we have an invitation to come alongside, and we do that through our choices by saying yes. But we never want to get it twisted and think that just because we say no, that things are going to get messed up. God's got somebody. We just want to be that somebody. All right. Um, And if you ever doubt that, that the, your job will shut down. If you ever doubt that, just roll out. Deuces, put your two weeks notice in, and just watch. That company's going to keep going. That ship's going to keep staying steady. It's going to stay afloat. You know what I mean? We, we never want our pride to trick us and to deceive us, thinking that something rises and falls on us. All right. Number two, a second observation we learned from this story is that there's questions to be asked. It's okay to ask questions. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just a blind, let's say yes. Like, it's, it's okay, God's a big boy. You know what I mean? We can push, we can prod. Like, faith isn't some blind faith. Like, there's, there's levels for logic and there's levels for understanding. It's just limited. That's not the only way we get to our answer. It's okay to ask questions. I mean, she, Mary, in verse 34, goes to Gabriel and is just like, I got a question. How can this be? I'm a virgin. How's this going to work? And I love that Gabriel doesn't shrink back. He doesn't, oh, 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 you got a question. No, heaven's like, okay, well, hey, here's how it's going to work. The Holy Spirit's going to accomplish this supernaturally. And he didn't explain how. He just said, he's going to overshadow you. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and through his power, you're going to conceive. Now, what's the science on that, Gabriel? I need a diagram. I need, I need to see how, 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 how. She just said, okay. The second thing we see is, like, look, the power of God can overcome the laws of nature. 
God created nature. He created this biology. He created this system. And if he wants to operate outside of it, he certainly can. He's the creator of all things. Mary, you just say yes. We got you. The Holy Spirit's going to hover or overshadow. And you're going to be touched by his power in such a way that you become pregnant. And then he says all the world would testify of God's power. I mean, imagine this. Imagine this. Here is a earthly mother. We see the language he uses in verse 32 about a heavenly father, the son of God. Here is a earthly mother. With the, and then the son's having a heavenly father. You know why this is so significant? Jesus, divine, divine, God, a part of the Trinity, a part of the Godhead, he chose to leave that nature to come on and take the form of man. We talked last week about chili con carne, right? Queso con carne, uh, carne asada, incarnation. Carney, right? In the flesh. In the flesh. He left heaven, came here, and took on flesh. That's why Hebrew says that he's a high priest that gets it. He understands humanity, understands the struggles and the days in and the days out and the things that make us human. The getting tired and the getting worried and the getting angry. He gets it because he left heaven, came to earth, incarnated, took on flesh, but here's with a heavenly father, 100% God and divine in his nature, but also 100% human. Wait a minute, that's 50 and 50. No, it's not. It's 100 and 100 in the equation change. It's 200% because he was fully God and fully man. But that happened because there was a womb. That happens because there was a Mary that said yes. I mean, this story just blows my mind. How does heaven and humanity unite and overlap? And intersect, and how does like holy become humanity and become human? And, and how does heaven touch humanity? How does all this? I don't know, but I know it happened because this lady was like, Yes, yes, okay. I just want to know how's this going to work because I'm a virgin. You're telling me I'm going to be son, I have a son, and A plus B equals C, Jesus, and I'm A, but there ain't no B involved. So, how's this going to work? How? The Holy Spirit's going to be B. The Holy Spirit's going to hover you, overshadow you. And then, just to kind of just build her faith, God knows what we need, right? He just builds her faith. Hey, you remember your aunt? You remember Elizabeth? You remember how, like, her whole life she's wanted a child? Her and Zachariah, they've been praying and crying out for a child. You remember that? Yeah, she's six months pregnant. Nothing's impossible with God. He meets us where we're at when the face of our questions, like questions are okay. We want to be careful when it becomes doubt. Questions are okay. God's big. He can handle it. And he meets her there at her place of questions and says, you remember Elizabeth. She's six months pregnant. Nothing's impossible with God. Her faith builds. God meets us where we're at. And I love, I love this verse from 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And what Paul says here is that, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. All of us to some degree are like Mary. Here was Mary literally with the gospel, like literally with Jesus inside of her. But all of us are similar to that. We're earthen vessel with this treasure of heaven inside of us. To her, it was Jesus. And to us, it's Jesus. It's just not that we're actually pregnant. Right? That would that could, that could get weird, right? All the guys are like, yes, thank you, Jesus. 
But we all have this treasure. We're earthly, we're clay pots, but there's this thing inside of us that's more valuable than anything, and it's from heaven. And here is this young teenage girl living that verse before it's ever spoken, an earthen vessel full of a heavenly treasure. And she says, yes. But I'm telling you, if you've got questions with your walk with God, if you've got questions at where you're at about faith, that's okay. Be brave enough to ask those questions. Be brave enough to really kick the tires of the gospel and faith and and what it means to follow. Be brave enough to ask those questions. Get with me. Get with someone else. Get with someone that's been walking and following the Lord for a long time. Ask those questions. God's not scared of hard questions. How is this going to happen? Ask those questions. But I'm telling you, when, when we don't check our questions, a lot of times they're going to go to a place of doubt. And doubt, we just got to watch doubt because it will rob us of faith. It will rob us of what God wants to release, what he wants to do. And here's two ways that I've found to protect myself from doubt. These are free. There's no slides. I'm just going to give them to you because they've helped me. Number one, feast on God's word. Man, I want to digest God's word. And so whatever that looks like for you, figure out a way to start eating God's word. I know, what do you mean? Like take the pages out and eat them? Chew on them. Think through it. Process it. That might be the Bible in a year. That's the way I've done it the last few years. I love it. Each morning I have an app and I have a little bit of Old Testament, Proverbs and Psalms, a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament, and it takes about 15 to 20 minutes. And I've done that for, I think, the last seven years. And at the end of each year, I've read through the Bible. 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. But then that gives you enough time to kind of think through. And I used to be so against that. Oh, my friends that do that, they're just checking the box. They don't mean it. But what I found is it's disciplined me to stay hungry. You don't eat like once a year and you're like, I'm good. That Christmas meal was so good. I ate so much turkey at Thanksgiving. I'm good. That's a surplus of energy. No, like every single day. And when you eat, what happens to your metabolism? It speeds up and you're hungry. Same thing with the word of God. What we want to do is begin digesting on God's word. And so whatever that looks like for you, there's apps on your phone, you version. There's so many things. Um, you can get, buy the Bible, a year in a, um, the one-year Bible, where it's paper, and you can make notes. and you can Whatever it looks like for you, do something. But find what works for you where you're regularly digesting God's word. Not just to read it and to swipe it and to get it out of your, off your to-do list, but to digest it, to break it down, to think on it. Because as we digest on God's word, it reminds us of who he is and what he's like. Because what doubt tries to do is to come in and get us to question God's intentions for our life. It makes us want to doubt that his intention for us is always good. I'm telling you, you might have a lot of questions about faith, a lot of things to ask. Okay, I get it. But be sure of this. God's intentions for you are always good. Even when it looks like it's bad, even when it looks like the worst that can happen on earth, somehow or another, God can use that. He's not the author of evil, but he can take what Satan's trying to mess up your life and he can use it for his good and for his glory and he can get us closer to him. There's no scar that we can have. There's no hurt that we can receive that God can't heal. And I know that's ugly, and I know that's messy, and I know we would rather just avoid the battle and avoid the hurt and avoid all. I wish we could just avoid it. I do. There's mistakes in my life that I wish I could have avoided. But somehow or another in God's goodness and through his power, he's used those hurts for his glory to help reveal something to me about his intention. 
And when we read God's word, we're reminding of ourselves of who he is and what his intentions are for us. And that builds us with faith. It builds us with courage. It builds us with the confidence. How in the world could Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, anybody remember the story of the fiery furnace? That was one of my readings for this week, so it's in my mind. And they had so much confidence when they stood before Nebuchadnezzar. He said, look, I'm going to throw you in that fire if you don't bow down and worship me. Everyone's doing it. You should do it. Hey, you do what you need to do. And whether God saves us or if he doesn't save us, he's still God. Can you imagine walking with God to that level where you've got that type of confidence inside of you? I mean, that's a still spine, man. That's still. Hey, you do what you need to do, but we're going to do what we need to do. And we ain't bowing down. God's real and we know it. Whether he chooses to save us or not, he's good and his intentions for us are always good. We're going to trust him. How do we get to that place? Reading God's word helps us. The second thing. Staying in relationships with others. But it's not just relationship, right? Like that's such a buzzword. Oh, be relational. Oh, they're a relational church. It's not about that. It's not about the relationship. That's important. But you've got to have the right kind of relationship. At our church, one of our core values, and we try to model this and see this in our dinner parties and see this through our leaders and all that, is that we are authentic and we are transparent. Authenticity is, I mean, there's no mask. Like what you see is what you get. And we just invite people to, to be a part of that. But transparency is I'm going to let you see inside. I'm going to let you see in. I'm not going to put up a ball. I'm not going to put up a mask. I'm going to let you see inside. It's transparent. And our goal and our heart and our hope is, is that as you see inside, what you see is Jesus, the light of the world. But if we put up masks and we put up walls, then people never get to see what's really going on, good or bad. You could be walking in personal revival. God's just like blessing you and speaking to you. And cur- but if you keep up a wall, you never live in such a way where people get to see that light. We don't want to do that. We don't want to take our light and put a basket over it. So the way that we fight off doubt, staying in God's word, digesting it, and staying in relationships with others that we can be authentic and transparent. Because here's the thing. If the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a pit. Right, And there's times in our lives when we just can't see. We want to, but we just can't see. We need someone that's a couple steps ahead of us, a couple steps of people that maybe have lived that before, been through that before, and they can see so that when they guide us, they can see and they can help us get around. That's what relationships do. That's the intention and the purpose of them. We need people in our life that can speak into us. Oh, man, I'm so sorry that happened, Gadiel. I can't believe that. I'm picking on you because you're right there on the corner. It's easy. But it's just like, oh, I can't believe that happened, man. Thank you for sharing that with me. You know what? That same thing happened to me five years ago. This is how God got me through it. These are a couple verses that I prayed about, and they meant so much to me when I was walking through that. Here you go. Think on these things, man. That'll help you. We don't always have to have the answer. We just need to be around someone that does. And that's what Christian community truly is supposed to look like. Authentic, transparent, not the blind leading the blind into a pit, but somebody that's got a revelation from God about what you're going through, and they can help you see how to navigate it and how to do it. And when we do that, it's a breath of fresh air into our brokenness. It's a breath of life into what we're going through. It gives us strength. Because I'm going to tell you, walking with God doesn't make sense sometimes. Right? I'm a virgin, God. How is this going to work? Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
God's supernatural, infinite in all of his ways. There's just some times where he gets it and sees the whole picture, and we don't. And we don't want to get hung up on what we don't see. We just have to come to a place of faith. God, your thoughts aren't my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. You said do this. I did it. I'm in it. Your word says this and encourages me to do it. I'm going to do it. But we also need some help to see. Sometimes we just, in spite of our questions, we want to walk in line, in step with what God's doing. Not ahead, not behind, in step. And through God, reading God's word and Christian community, they'll help us do that. I mean, ultimately, the message of Jesus is an invitation to a relationship. It's an invitation to know God. He's made himself known. He left heaven, came to earth. He's made himself known. So the third thing that we want to see about this message that was spoken to Mary, number three, this third observation, there's a message to be shared. This message of Jesus, this message, this invitation of heaven is not meant to stay inside of us, to stay stagnant, to just cover it up with the lid. No, this message is meant to be shared. I love toward the end of the section of scripture we were looking at where Mary goes to Elizabeth. She goes to Elizabeth. And I love it. She's at the door. And as soon as she walks in, John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth does what? Jumps. Just jumps. So excited. There's my cousin. There's the Messiah. He's coming. And he jumps. This message that we have is meant to be shared. And she tells Elizabeth everything. Just tells her. This is what, this is what, this is what, this is what was said to me. This is what was said to me. And all throughout you see Gabriel say, you see Elizabeth say, everyone saying you're highly favored. You're so blessed. Can you believe that God chose you to birth his son, to bring the Messiah into Can you believe it? But she shared it. She shared it. The little baby jumping inside of the womb in Elizabeth, when he grows and he becomes mature, he's John the Baptist. And he, all his whole life was spent doing was prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way. The Messiah's coming. Let's prepare the way for the Lord. Let's prepare the way for the Lord. There's one coming behind me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. This guy is the Messiah. He's amazing. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. The message of Jesus is meant to be shared, and everyone involved did it. John shared it. His parents, Elizabeth and Zachariah, shared it. Mary shares it. Joseph is going to share it. We see the shepherds, they share it. Like we see that the message of Jesus is meant to be shared. I'm t- have you ever gotten around someone and just the message of their life just causes something inside of you to jump, just to stir up? Like, oh, man, I don't know what it is, but I really like being around that person. Like, man. My baby jumps. We want to get around people that make the baby inside of us jump. The hopes, the dreams, the passion, the, just the faith in us. We want to get around people that stir something up inside of us when they share the message of their life. And I'm telling you, if you're living in a place where you kind of feel a little stagnant or a little like, ah, it's just kind of la di get around some of the right people that have got some faith on them, that are aligned with the purposes of God, that are aligned with the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, watch what starts to happen inside of you dreams, visions, purpose, destiny, things inside of you will start to just leap. And I'm saying as Mary shared her message, as Mary shared her life with Elizabeth, that baby jumped. But ultimately, that's what we're all called to do. We're all called to be a messenger. We're all called to share the hope of God that we've received. We all are called to do that. On that same mission, different roles, 
and they intersect and overlap and complement each other. Like, right? Like, they're different. But whatever your sphere of influence, at your job, coaching your kid's little league team, uh, taking your kid to dance lessons and recitals, and all, whatever your role is and whatever stage of life you find yourself in, in your singleness, in your um, parenting stage, or in like, hey, I'm an empty nester, what do I do? There's a new purpose and a destiny all in all of the stages. We want to find out and align ourselves with what heaven's speaking in that season. How does God want to use me in that season? Last part of this, I love this verse. I'm going to read it, Luke chapter 1. This was Mary's response. It's like this whole thing comes full circle. It comes full circle. This is what alignment looks like with God. This is what, like, the fruit and all this stuff just comes right back full circle. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 49. It goes on further, but I'm just going to read these. This is called Mary the Magnificent. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. It's so important that we figure out how we want to choose to receive God's invitation. She hadn't seen it yet. She had, it hadn't happened yet. Jesus wasn't born yet. But she received all that, that that Gabriel said, all that that angel said. She received it. Let it be according to your word. She received it by faith. And then she begins to praise God for it. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He is my Savior. He is the Savior. He's the one. And look, he looked on me being humble, being from Nazareth, being Lowly, I mean, I'm a little teenager girl. He looked down and saw me and chose to use my humility and use my humble place in life to use that. And now from all generations, every time this story of Jesus gets told, every time this story, this invitation of heaven to know Jesus gets told, who do we talk about? Mary. And she saw it before it happened and believed it. That's the type of faith, that's the type of spirit that we want. We hope that you have been inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more info or to connect with us, check us out at c3citylight.com.